Are you looking to pursue excellence and take your success to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to Excellence Mindset with your host, Ryan James Miller. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. As always, thank you so much for sharing some time with me today. And uh, I am looking forward to the guest that I have uh, with me on the other end of the line. Uh, she is uh, dialing in from the great state of Texas, and I have become a, a passionate and a very uh, vocally happy customer of her product and her business. And so I'm excited to dig a little bit into that today and uh, see where else the conversation takes us. And so uh, that person is Amanda Croker, and she is the founder of Valley Vintage Soap. So Amanda, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, to dig a little bit into the business and the uh, uh, yeah, just kind of the passion behind it. Uh, I know there's some other areas of life that you're pretty passionate about, and so hopefully we can get into some of that today too. But why don't you just start off and just uh, give the audience a, a little bit of an idea of who you are and what you're all about? Awesome. Well, um, like you said, I'm Amanda Croker. I am the owner and founder of Valley Vintage Soap Company. And uh, that all originally started because I couldn't get my own skin under control. Um, everything was breaking me out. So I already made handmade almost everything, cleaning supplies and things like that. So I thought, I'm just going to do my own skincare. And it worked. It cleared my skin up and it worked and I can, it was consistent for a while. My friends liked it. And uh, I wasn't actually intending on turning it into a business. I was just wanting to give things to my friends. But uh, there was a, a job change in our family, so it was necessary for me to make a little bit of money, and that's where we went with it, is we just pushed it into a, a business, and it's been profitable now for the past almost six years. It'll be six years in March, but wow. uh, it is still just a part-time thing for me. I have one independent contractor who helps me out, and I get volunteers from our homeschool group to help me out, so homeschool is my, my main gig, but uh, this is... It's becoming a little more full-time than it used to be. My son's 13 now, so he's a little more independent as far as the school goes. <laughs> <laughs> I can more teach him and then give him assignments to go, so I get to spend some more time making this. It started with just a couple of different soap bars, and now we make uh, beard bombs and beard oils, which are the products that you like to have. And we've got body butters, um, scrubs, all kinds of things. I add a lot of things all the time and different scents of things. So... It's it's growing, which is good. Yeah, so um, we'll we'll end up jumping all around here, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, as I kind of alluded to a little bit in, in the intro, and then as you said, you know, I I was referred to you guys uh, by a, just an acquaintance on social media, which is kind of where everything happens nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I was I, I was hesitant in the sense of, you know, here I was, I was going to go online and I was going to buy a product, which is already a challenge. And, and I don't want this to come across bad. But like, you know, nowadays when I buy online, I try I try and do my best. Like I'm an Amazon addict, which mm -hmm. is not great for small business, I guess. But <laughs> um, uh, I am because it's just very consistent. I can get my stuff in two days, you know, sometimes a day, sometimes even the same day. And so the thought of buying something online outside of that domain already was kind of a challenge. Um, and then uh, to, you know, definitely it was he, he highly referred you, but it was nothing that I really knew about. I had no idea what I was going to get. I'm like, ah, OK, fine. I might as well give it a shot. 
And I mean, I was like product wise right away. I was, I was so just, I was so happy. I loved the smell by the way, like props to orange pine scotch. Like that is the jam. That is um, definitely the most popular one. Everyone's liking that one. It is. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what? No, now I just, I tried, uh, the eucalyptus, um, that, that one, right? Like, isn't there a, a eucalyptus? It's eucalyptus scotch. pine scotch. So I just switched out the orange for the eucalyptus. There you go. And so, oh, that one, like my nostrils, it feels so good all the time because I like smell my own beard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, and so I, I liked the product right away. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm a customer. But what I was so appreciative of was uh, there were a couple of times along the way where the first time I, I don't, I, I mean, I maybe said thank you, but um, you went out of your way to, to include something else into, into one of the, um, into one of the packages, like uh, uh, something that was new, or actually, I think you responded and said, Hey, why don't you try this? And so I was really pumped that you took it upon yourself to, you know, to, to try and kind of go the extra mile. And so that was great. But then all the way, I, I look all the way forward to just recently, which was kind of what got us into this conversation. I mean, your customer service, particularly as what I'm imagining is obviously you're a small business, you're, it's yourself and one other person from time to time um, to, to, to just get by is challenging enough, but to like go to that extra degree is just what blew me away. And so what is it that, that really drives you to want to, to go the extra mile? And, and, and maybe there's a better way to say that, but like, why, why do you do that? Well, I mean, first of all, there's the, the old saying, the customer is always right. So you want to keep them pleased, even if they're not coming to you with a complaint or with even a compliment, like you want to make sure you keep that communication open the uh you want to keep them understanding that you're making new things they might not know about yet and they should try it i I truly believe that with all the time and effort that i put into formulating every recipe that i have um it's hard to know if you like it or not after i put all that time into it if you don't even know it exists so i try to put out the new products and things like that or even samples of some really popular things and I just really want my customers to understand that I, I hear their suggestions. I make things that they suggest as often as I can and, you know, just keep them coming back. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, I mean, I was just, I was so stoked and that product, that, that extra that you threw in, and I always hate to like admit to this stuff because then people just expect that they're always going to get that. But, uh-huh. um, it became something that I'm using now regularly too, which was the eucalyptus roll on. Mm-hmm. And I've had a really sore golfer's elbow and partially because of playing bad golf and then because of CrossFit and other things. <laughs> and so I'll roll that thing on the inside and it does it. it. It's made my elbow obviously not, it didn't like disappear, but it definitely soothes a lot of that soreness. So thank you. Yeah, it was absolutely. awesome. That's good to hear. I'm glad it's, glad it's yeah. working for you. Yeah, no, I, I I've been pumped by it. So okay, um, so you said that you know when you started the business that it was uh, out of a, a personal need, which is a, a lot of times a lot of the ways that people solve a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like their own problem. They they uh, they have a problem. There's nothing to fix it, and so they go and do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then you decided to like start a business, and I understand that there was some financial. You know, sounds like there was some financial need there, but like what, what was, 
what's inside you to drive you to even like think like, okay, I can make a business out of this? Because did you did you own a business prior to that? Or was there any previous history to like, I, I've done this myself? I had never owned a business before. I um, actually hadn't worked in a long time. I was an insurance agent a long time ago. Uh, right out of high school, I got my, my insurance license and just did that for a couple years. And then I was a stay-at-home mom. And after I got married, it was, I was a stay-at-home mom and, and my husband lost a job. So it actually had been several years since I had even worked. So I started applying for jobs with, you know, all the way from cashier that I thought I could get without having a degree and uh, all the way to insurance agent again, trying to get my license back with that. But you probably know the town that I live in because it's on the news right now. I live in McAllen, Texas on the border. And mm. I can't get a job to save my life because I don't speak Spanish. So I have mm. like a, I can sell you a bar of soap in Spanish almost, but, <laughs> but <that's probably> <laughs> you're it. getting there. I'm getting there. I'm trying to learn as quick as I can, but I couldn't, I couldn't find a job. I, I applied probably 15 places a day. It was also a time where the economy wasn't that great anyway. And so it was, everyone would just encourage me to sell what I already do. And they had already been, I'd been giving it away as a gift to most of my friends, but they would, you know, tip me sometimes, or I guess pay me for the work that I did um, as a gift. So it wasn't really, I, I had sale prices or anything like that, but just started calculating the prices out and selling it, got into a farmer's market and it just took off from there. The farmer's market I originally started being a part of was excellent at marketing. So that really helped to, to give me a boost there at the beginning. Hmm. So, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm already rewinding. So I, I heard you say something which uh, is, is a personal frustration of mine. And so, it, and it's you, uh, you decide that you're going to stay at home. Uh, you're going to work at home uh, take care of a, a child and you're going to school. And so you are, uh, in many ways, uh, running a business, right? Like there, there, there's so much of, of what you do that translates directly into business. And yet I think so many businesses are blind to that fact. I mean, I, I shared with you offline that I just recently had a, a, a dear friend, uh, uh, on the podcast. And, uh, we talk a lot about the fact that, um, there's just as much value and validity to the mom at home as there is to the mom in the workplace or the, you know, the, the person at home and the person in the workplace. And I remember my wife, uh, when she was trying to go back to work, that she ran into the same problem. She had been out for about three years and nobody wanted to give her a job because she had nothing on her resume for three years. And it was just so frustrating to me because it just completely invalidated all of the work that she had done to to essentially do the same thing that she would have done in, a, in an organization. So like that, that just that just seems to be a, a poor way for a lot of people to look at things. Right. Like, I mean, just that's that's got to be frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's less of a problem now than it has been in years past. I think people are more understanding uh, especially if you're going into a field like childcare, that kind of transfers over. But going back into like a corporate or a business world, yeah, there's definitely some some pushback. But I do think it's on the on the upside now. Okay, so <clears throat> what were some some early uh, goals, desires that you had 
uh, when, when you started the business. So you went from like, I just want to make my own product uh, to, to fix my problem to now some of my friends are having problems. So I'm sharing it with them. Uh, then you start to kind of step into the, the farmer's market environment. And so what were some of the what were some of the things that you were like, OK, now I have a business. So I kind of want to accomplish this. Like, were those were there some things early on that you were looking forward to? Well, I mean, step one, pay the bills. <laughs> but um, I think uh, <laughs> I think mostly. Ding, ding. Yeah, exactly. Well, why do we do anything? <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. that I think goals at the beginning. I was really bad at setting. I didn't really, I guess, know where I wanted to go yet, but I did know of the values I wanted to keep. I wanted everything to be all natural. I didn't want to compromise on synthetic fragrances, colorants, anything like that. So I wanted to maintain value in the ingredients that I used, and I knew that I never, ever wanted to change that. I still haven't changed that. So I, I guess I was more picky about and stubborn about the quality I was putting out there, then looking forward to future goals at the very beginning. I think now hmm. I have more of a, a tendency to set goals that are better and, and more focused. Um, you know, it, they go anywhere from as simple as what are the holidays coming up this year? When do I need to start making things to get them ready for that day? Um, all the way to sales goes goals like uh, I did this market for the last four years what have I made I want to make this much this year this is my goal and how am I going to get to that level so I'm better at setting goals now than I was at first at first it was just values when I didn't know where I was going or what to expect which is so important, right? Because a lot of people just they they jump right in with a whole bunch of goals and no values. So at least you started on the on the right side of things. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, who or what uh, was speaking into helping kind of drive that goal creation? I mean, was that just all kind of your own desire, your own brain, or were there? Uh, people or resources, books, other things that, that were kind of helping you start to shape and craft where you were going to go as the business was getting off the ground or getting going? Oh, man, so many things influenced me. I uh, When I get passionate about something, that's kind of all I read, all I talk about, all I listen to, all I watch. So um, I, watched a, I watched and read a lot of videos and articles from people who had been in this business for a while or had known a lot more than I do. I've, I picked brains of entrepreneurs down here and really tried to figure out what were they doing that's successful in this economy and in this location, because it's a lot different than, than other places. And really, I just, I talked to anybody who would listen and ask questions to anybody who might have had good advice and, and just read everything. So I, it's hard to pick out one particular influence, but I just, I just, gathered everything and then weeded through it. And so you're six years in. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, do you feel like, do you, do you feel like you're successful now? It, it kind of depends on how you defined, define success. If you, if you mean, do I make a whole bunch of money? No, <laughs> not that, but I do feel successful in that. I haven't compromised on the values and I've stuck by what I meant to do and and I really just love the customer feedback too and because of that feedback that 95% of the time it's good 
I feel successful because of that. I've, I've helped people. I think I just actually posted in the last couple of weeks on my, on my social media that I kept getting the same comment all day at a market. Your soap saved my face. People kept hmm. saying that your soap saved my face. And that makes me feel like I am successful because people struggle with things like that for years. They, they try to cover it up or they don't want to be in pictures and to change somebody's way that they, they present themselves and they become more confident because they feel better about their face. That is a successful feeling to me. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I really appreciate that, that, that is your key indicator of success. Um, it, that's hard, right? That that's that's a hard balance to keep, uh, particularly when you when you need the income, and and, and not that you absolutely. I'm, I I know I didn't hear you say that you just discard the the desire to earn money, right? Like you need to do that, right? But um, but but it's hard to hold to values. Um, when, when, when you're getting a business off the ground and when you're building a business and I'm sure in some sense, even though you're six years in and you've figured a lot out and, and again, like, I mean, I, I think you deliver a superior product to anything else I've seen, but I, I'm sure that you still feel in some ways you're still learning and growing and, and we probably always will. Um, but I just, so a, as you have tried to do your best to always hold on to your values, has there been things along the way that that have really challenged that? Like, are there things that, that get really hard to like, where it really causes you to question like, Oh my gosh, like, do I have to change what I think here? Or have you, have you felt any of that tension as you've continued to grow? Oh, definitely. There's, there's been a couple of times where I almost wanted to compromise because I see some other soap makers out there making these designs that are just so intricate and I, I love them and they're, all these bright colors and stuff, but to do that, you have to add things that I won't add or like bacon scented things. I get that question all the time. Can you make bacon scented (laughs) beard balm? And I was, I actually made a beard balm with bacon grease once to try to make it smell like bacon, but use actual bacon products. Like for my coffee beard balm, I use real coffee for my pipe tobacco beard balm. I use real pipe tobacco. So I was like, maybe if I use real bacon and you know what? Bacon grease does not smell like anything. It doesn't smell like bacon. It smells like nothing. So that didn't work out. I could buy a bacon fragrance oil, but I just won't do that because I don't know what it's made from. It's it's certainly not made from pigs. So <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge at times where I, where I kind of want to be tempted to do something else, but you know, two main reasons keep me from that. One, I said I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't compromise my values and and two, I'm allergic to fragrance oils, so <laughs> that probably wouldn't be a good idea for me to work with them. So are 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 you always kind of like the test case? Do you always try stuff on yourself before you you introduce it to the market? Absolutely. I always test it on myself and my family, my, my poor guinea pigs. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also have a lot of friends who volunteer. I think they do it because they want the free product, but they always <laughs> volunteer to, to test it out. And I try to give it a certain amount of time so it's not just their first use but after they've been using it for a little while make sure that that it's good if i'm making just a new scent of something i don't typically test that a whole lot because the uh the formula is still the same it's just a different scent but a brand new product i i definitely 
get that out there and have my friends and family test it. And, and starting with myself always in case there's some sort of reaction with me, if I have a reaction to it, everyone else will probably have a reaction to it. So. Yeah. Like what, what other, uh, maybe it's the one that I'm thinking of only because I saw it on social media, but what, what are some of like the, the bigger like catastrophes, if you don't mind admitting to them that you've had along the way uh, as you're trying new things and, and trying to continue to innovate? Man, the one I had the worst, I think it's probably just still fresh in my memory because I'm still embarrassed by it. This past summer, I started making scrubs and I wanted to pour everything into them that was good and it didn't come out the consistency I wanted. So I added an ingredient that it is a natural ingredient. It's a starch to just kind of hold everything together better. And I got my guinea pigs all to try it out. But my mistake was I didn't let them try it out in different temperatures. So what happened is in the room temperature in the house, this scrub was perfect, perfect consistency and everything. But as soon as I took it to markets or it was out, you know, at a certain temperature it, down here, it gets like 110, 115 in the summer. So if it got really hot, what happened is it would become like a gelatin, like it would it wouldn't come apart from each other. It would be like, it would come into this ball. And I had sold cases of these things by the time I realized. Uh. And so I was like, there's no possible way I can remember every, every contact. If they ordered online, I had their information. I could email them and, and, and give them a refund. But if they bought from me at a market, there's nothing I could do except for just put all over my social media that I made a mistake and please contact me and, let me let me switch it out now that I've fixed the recipe and or let me give you a refund. That was that was um, pretty rough to go public like that and, and instead of just having people to email and deal with it one on one. So that was definitely a, a big regret. I wish I now I test things in all kinds of temperatures. <laughs> so I learned from that. Oh my gosh. I mean, okay, so so even in that, so we, we were talking about values earlier. I mean there had to be this moment of like, I, this is going to devastate me. Like if I take back all that product, like mm -hmm. I, I'm just going to be destroyed. And so, like, I mean, you had to, you had to question that, right? Like, do I, am I really going to admit that I need to take all this product back? Yes. I Did was, you go through that? I was so nervous about it. I, I don't think I could have lived with myself if I didn't try to fix that. I, it's just not in me to, to just try to deceive people or, or not admit to it. So I, one of my friends, a close friend of mine actually is one of the ones who had bought the product that was bad. So I gave them the whole spiel about this is what happened and uh, let me change it out for you. And because they're my friend, I also added another message like, do you think this is going to ruin me? And they responded, they said, because you admitted it openly, I bet you'll get more sales because now people know who you are and that you're going to admit when you're wrong. And that mm. gave me a big piece. And he wasn't the only customer to say that. I had other customers saying, actually, no, please don't. I don't need a refund. Uh, don't switch it out. I'll just buy some more later on. And they did. So I really honestly have the best customers because everyone was understanding. And I'm sure my competition out there was like, sweet, she messed up. <laughs> but yeah. the response from my customers and, and even people that bought from me because they saw the kind of customer service I have, 
didn't buy for me before. I think that I actually came out ahead when all was said and done. Hmm. You know, it's interesting, you know, as you bring up that story. Um, so I read this book uh, just recently called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. Uh, he's written uh, The Habit Code, The Culture Code, a couple of other ones. And so he tells this story of Johnson & Johnson. And I don't remember when it was. I want to say it was in the 70s, mid 70s or something like that. Uh, but they um, they had always been an organization that was like, um, we are here first to serve our customer, which they believed were like the families that were taking their products. They were the doctors. They were the nurses. They were the patients. And um, and uh, then in the mid 70s, there was a report of a poisoning that was happening in some Tylenol products. And so uh, in this book, they, they go through and they tell this story kind of briefly, but they tell the story of like they all come together for like this, you know, meeting of the minds with all the stakeholders in the organization. And they're like, you know, what do we do? Like if we if we admit to this, we're going to have to recall every single Tylenol product on the market in, in the entire country. And it was going to be to the tune of like a hundred million dollars. And every, so many people were telling them, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, if you, if you do this, it's going to devastate not just revenue right in the moment, which a hundred million bucks, like, I don't care how big you are. That's devastating. But then like, it's going to, it's going to ruin your name moving forward. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Like we have to abide by um, by what we do. And they were even going against like the FBI and the FDA, which were all involved. And they were telling them like, you know what, you don't need to, to recall everything, like just be particular or do some investigation. And he's like, no, we need to take it all back. They took over 30 million pills back into stock, cost them over a hundred million dollars. And it turned out to be a huge turning point in the organization where they went from being like, uh, this company that sells pharmaceutical products and other things to, I think he said something like a, a public safety organization, like the country viewed them as looking out for their best interest. And they had a whole new belief uh, from their customers into who they were because of the way they behaved. Wow. That's, that's yeah. a whole lot bigger of an issue than I was playing with, but it, it seems like, you know, the same thing turning uh, to your customers and showing who you are. Well, yeah, and, and 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 I and and I shared that story. Like, obviously, it just it, it rattled as you were saying that. But I think it's important because when when we think of business and we think of running a business, and so when we look at a large organization like that, and we're like, okay, well, they're like a you know multi billion dollar organization, so a hundred million bucks that's a lot of money, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, and so that's okay if they do things like that. But in the small business environment, like for you to have to recall. Um, or, or even admit to the potential problem, right? And then, and then potentially recall or bring back all this merchandise, like that will actually potentially devastate you more, right? Because mm-hmm. like that hits your household, like that's just a direct impact on you, your husband and your son. And so there's a lot more question uh, to do that, I think, in the small business environment. And on top of that, like you don't have to deal with PR and the FDA and like all these things. So you could have easily hid that. But instead, you decided to put your values first, which you said from the beginning of our conversation was so important. And so I just think that is extremely telling of who you are as an individual and then who you are as an organization, as a business. And, and so I think that's, that's, that's a lot bigger than we probably, than you probably want to give yourself credit for. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of kudos to that because I don't think that most small businesses would do that. 
Wow, thank you so much. That means that means a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so um so definitely you had some challenges along the way. Um what are you most proud of? Like as you look at your business today, what what is what is it that you uh, what is it that you look at and you're like, yeah, like I just I'm so I'm so proud of this. I am really proud of my soap recipe, to be honest. I had a lot of failed ones whenever I first started out and I formulated everything myself and came out with one that I get the comment um, all the time. I can't believe your handmade soap lasts so long. I don't know if you've uh, tried other handmade soap bars before, but they tend to melt very quickly. And mine hasn't seemed to do that. So I'm really proud of something like that, that it's not going to be something that somebody spends money on and then it melts in the shower tomorrow. And it's something that's good for you. And it's a craft that really has to be practiced that, you know, a lot of people can just go out and mix essential oils and stuff. But this is a process that is having to be perfected. And I'm still perfecting things and probably still always will. But I'm just really proud of of that particular product. That's awesome. And, and I love that you said that you're proud of the product, but you are continually working on it. I think that that is, again, in a lot of ways, telling of who you are, but it's something that as people are listening, I think that's a really important thing to let soak in for a minute because whether uh, it's a business or uh, I'm an individual employee performing in an organization, like so many people we get to this level of success, right? And we've already talked about, we can define that however we want, but we get to this level of success and then we're good, right? Like we're, we, we, we almost just kind of maintain. It's like, if it's not broken, don't fix mm-hmm. it. Um, but I like that, uh, you're, you're wanting to continue to, to innovate and, 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 and improve. Uh, and so th- I think that's just, that's fantastic. And I really hope people hear that, uh, and, and are able to somehow apply that to, to their own life, you know? So I think that's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. I think I'm just like that anyway, cause I get bored. <laughs> I have to keep, I have to keep messing with, messing with my recipes. <laughs> so, so maybe we thank God for the fact that, that you are easily bored and, <laughs> and that is producing a good product. <laughs> yeah. There's something to it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so so how does uh, I mean I can only imagine as we're talking, but um, I'll let you articulate it. So how does business uh, and your business and your personal life like how do you balance those things? How do they interact? Like is you know is everybody all hands on deck in the house too? Like how, how do those things work together for you? Well, my husband and I definitely uh, believe in roles that we we each kind of so we're not all going to pour into the soap business we're not all going to pour into whatever else is going into each detail of the house we're going to split it up um a little bit so really i'm i'm the only one doing the soap stuff on a daily basis other than uh, the help that i get once in a while I, i recruit our homeschool girls every once in a while for labeling and things like that so get some volunteers um and I pay them in, in product, which is always fun. So they kind of come in and help me. And um, and I have the one the one contractor who covers markets for me or helps me do some things around here. Uh, and my son will help 
he'll he'll carry things. He won't help me mix or make anything, but he'll help me carry things. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of have my own space in the house for that. So that's divided from the rest. That way it's because my home and my husband and my son are my, my main priority, not my business. I like to have a space that I can walk out of and I'm not in my business anymore. I am in my family's mm. zone. So, um, but really how I balance on a day-to-day basis is a schedule. I've got to have a schedule. It, it's always, we all wake up, we all do our Bible time um, separately in the morning. And then my husband will get ready and go to work while I am getting a smoothie and working out. And my son's doing chores. And as soon as all that's done, we sit down for homeschool, give him all his assignments, send him off to complete those. And I get to work in um, my soap crafting room. So, um, and then just quit and make dinner. I leave the room and it's put the business behind me. Sometimes I keep talking about it because it's fresh in my head, but I know that's annoying to my husband. So (laughs) (laughs) I try to keep that to a minimum, but uh, I really just have to keep it separate. If it was not in my home, I would be going off to an office somewhere. I could leave it there. So it's a little harder to do whenever it's the same location, but I just really think the balance comes down to making a separate time schedule and a separate area for things like that. And then are you, because I, I know you work the weekends too, because that's when you're out at the farmer's markets, I see posted on social media and uh, you're doing that on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And so um, do you, do you kind of look out ahead of time and determine, okay, these are the Saturdays and or Sundays or whatever, are these the weekends that I'm going to work uh, and then on other ones we're going to protect, or do you just kind of uh, take them as they come? How, how do you, how do you kind of lay that schedule out to make sure you're still protecting or, or dividing that time appropriately? I don't do any markets on Sundays except for once a month, um, and it's after church. So I make sure that that church time is always protected. Um, And most Sundays, three out of the four Sundays of the month, I don't have anything on Sunday afternoons. I don't usually have anything on Saturday afternoons because the farmer's markets are in the morning. Um, So I try to keep the at least the afternoon portions of my weekend free. If I know it's going to be a profitable profitable market, um, I will go. But if it's going to be one that I'm not sure about, or I'm just going to be standing around waiting for people to show up, then I, I'm not going to sign up for those. After I've done one of them and I know that's how it is, I won't do it again. So, um, And I have regular ones on Wednesdays. But really, I just make sure we have our evenings. We always do family dinner. We, um, My son still has a bedtime, even though he's 13. And <laughs> so my husband and I have a couple hours before we go to bed. We can just have some time together. So we make sure to, to prioritize that. It's easy to lose that, especially when you're running around with the kids or you're, you know, busy with other things that people do in the evenings. I don't know what people do. They have lives <laughs> in the evening. <laughs> but um, we just really try to protect whatever time we do have together. We try to make sure that's prioritized. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. So as you as you kind of think from now this point, and you think I don't know five six years out, uh, what what are you hopeful for to see next? Like what what are what are, what's some of the vision of the future? Um, what what are you hoping to kind of add to or grow in? Like do you think about that? Actually, this year is probably going to be the the most changes that we've had yet because my husband and I are in the process of um, of adopting. A baby. We are still not chosen yet by the birth mother. We're waiting for that part, but 
it's been almost a year and a year was the average wait time our agency told us. So that's going to change the way that we do things quite a bit. Um, yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out how that looks right now. My goal is to get my, uh, my search engine optimization on point. So my online sales can be higher. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. more wholesale places. We have about 12 local stores right now that carry our products. So I am trying to push those a lot more and make sure that those sales are significant and, and maybe even get some more and then just hire someone out for the markets all the time because I'm going to have to be home a lot more and I need to make sure that I can keep everything going and I really want to keep it going with the momentum that I have but I, I'm also going to have to, you know, I'll have a newborn. So that'll change yeah. things quite a bit. Um, the hard part with that is uh, there's not a time frame. We don't know exactly when that's going to happen. So I'm just trying to put everything in place right now that everything can still keep on rolling um, whenever that comes. So that's huh. going to be a big, big change for this year. You know, five, ten years out, I hope I'm still doing all this (laughs) but i'm like i can't see beyond this you want to you want to get through 2019 (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah oh man well that's exciting and congratulations i mean that that's just such an amazing uh endeavor to uh to step into and i'm sure that's been a long process of thought and prayer and consideration and um so uh, yeah it's it's not been taken lightly and again i mean that's just you know, far, uh, far outweighs the, the importance to anything we can do in a business environment. And at the same time, you got to keep the business going so you can, so you can fund, uh, so you can fund a fourth mouth to feed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, so wholesale, um, so what, what types of businesses typically would resell a product like yours? I have several salons that, that sell just like the beard and hair stuff. Uh, they don't typically carry everything because they want to gear more toward the beard and hair things. I mm-hmm. have uh, just a couple of locations that are like a kind of a mix and match of different things that where you rent a booth and you restock it. Um, I only have two places like that where I actually rent out a space. So they're just kind of a mix match of everything. Um, I have a detox studio that carries my, my products because they're all leaning toward the natural um, method and mindset. So they're wanting to detox their, their bodies. So I'm helping them out with their skin. So they have a lot of things at places like that. And, um, just some strange local businesses that you wouldn't think would have my products. Uh, there's two cigar stores that sell my, my products. Oh no, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, after I made it the pipe tobacco one, they were like, Oh, I want that one. (laughs) So, um, I do sell at, at scar stores and um, at a bookstore, a local bookstore. So all kinds of things. Oh, I think that like, this is going to sound terrible, but like anywhere the hipsters hang yeah. out. <laughs> you, exactly. Some like, some like boutique coffee shops, places like that. Yeah, I do actually like, all have they one do, coffee once, shop. Once they, get one, once they get one sniff and then they just roll that in their hands and put that on their and and they put that on their face it's over like they're, they're just going to be sold yeah well you know what's funny for me like one one thing that's been a, a big benefit to me in using it 
is uh, so I use it every morning um, uh, after I shower before I head out uh, after like a workout. And so after a workout, uh, so I CrossFit, and so that's a lot of time with my hands on a barbell or on a pull-up bar, mm-hmm. rings, and so they get really torn up. And I try and keep them <clears throat> reasonably smooth, you know, just because, <clears throat> you know, I don't, I don't want to be shaking hands with like daggers or something like that. <laughs> and, um, and yet it, it you got to be really careful about what you put on your hands because if they soften up too much, then they're just going to get shredded the next time you do right. one of those things. And so I stopped using any kind of lotion or anything because it was just, it was getting really bad. And yet ever since I've been using the beard balm, uh, because I put it all, completely in my hands first before I put it on my beard, it's become kind of like that natural restorative, um, uh, a thing for my hands. And so, I mean, whether or not it was supposed to be that way, like it's worked out really good for me. And so I tell people all the time, I'm like, yo, just like get some beard balm on your hands. It, it works so good. Yeah. I actually suggest that all the time. I usually have a testing station when I do the markets. So the guys will come try out the beard bomb and then I have a station where you can wash your hands with my soap as well. So they always go to wash their hands after they've put their beard bomb on. And I'm like, no, no, rub it in. It's, it's going to make your hands softer. And they're like, Oh, okay. But yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that I, I'm a part of a, a group on Facebook that is all about powerlifting. Really. I was a gymnast for 12 years and I do powerlifting now. So I understand what you're talking about with the hands (laughs) being like that. So their combination, this group loves the best, is the pumice soap that I make because it scrubs it all smooth. And then they buy a lip balm. It's easy to carry around. And they just rub it on, especially if you ever get a rip on your hand. Just put that lip balm on. And it really helps. Forget it. You just sold me on two new products. Like, Don't forget (laughs) when we get off this podcast, I'm going to put those things in an order. I need both awesome. of those. That's yeah. so dope. I didn't even think about the lip balm. That's an awesome way just to like keep a little bit of touch up on the hands. Yeah, definitely. Oh gosh, you're a genius. Look at that. You're selling <laughs> me and you're not even trying to. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I, I got to make the recommendations whenever you talk about lifting. <laughs> yeah. Ser- okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I can't let that one go and I, we're, we're starting to wind down a little bit here, but you just said that you used to be a gymnast, which I am just so intrigued by because every time I like, uh, try and, uh, walk on my hands, which I've, I'm getting okay out or like, uh, in CrossFit, we do ring muscle ups or bar muscle ups. And I know mm-hmm. they're really not called that in gymnastics, but, um, you know, I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have had a gymnastics background because, you know, like when you're a young boy growing up, like most, most boys get made fun of for doing gymnastics. And now I think that like every boy should be required to do it because it builds such amazing strength. Mm -hmm. Um, but now you're in powerlifting. So how the heck did you get into that? Well, I actually started with CrossFit because it's the closest thing to gymnastics that my body is able to do. And because uh, I don't have the flexibility that I had at one point in time. So I did CrossFit for a while, uh, but I really enjoyed the strong heavy lifts part of it more than the cardio part of it. So mm-hmm. I just started pouring more into that. I actually tried to do Olympic lifting first, which it was just horrible for my joints. I kept spraining things. So I was like, you know, mm-hmm. let's do something with a little less wrist bending and uh little more strength. So I've been doing, I actually haven't competed yet. My competition, first competition is going to be on my birthday this year in November. So I'm trying to train for that. But 
yeah, I just, I love it. I'd like feeling strong and I, I'm, I weigh a little more than I want to, but that's what powerlifting comes with because you don't have the cardio aspects. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it, in so many ways, I mean, you just burn so much better when you, when you are lifting weights versus like, you know, people think that you just go run around a bunch and you're just going to lose weight. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say the word I want to say because people take offense to it, but you end up like looking thin, but uh, being out of shape. Um, uh, whereas like, you know, when, when you're lifting, you're building muscle and, you know, you're burning fat at the same time. So I, I actually think it's a really good thing and I wish, um, more people would do it, especially more women, right? There's always that fear of like, I'm going to get shredded. And if it was only that easy. Yeah. Oh, I could, I could do a whole podcast on that. (laughs) (laughs) And so when you're, when you're competing, so, so people know just in case there's like, oh, so what is powerlifting? So that's, uh, that's deadlift, that's bench press. And what's the third one? Squat. Squat. That's right, man. That's pretty gangster right there. I mean, that's no, that's no like dainty thing to, to, to get involved in. And I know it's weight class and everything, but that's still, I mean, that's, that's some pretty, that's a lot of work and pretty hefty weight that you're pulling around. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun though. I'm, it's my favorite thing I've done so far for exercise. Uh, Other than gymnastics, so cool. if I was able to still do that, I would do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other level of commitment, right? Yes, definitely. Okay, Amanda. So your business goes away today. What happens tomorrow? Like, what would you do if you couldn't do soap anymore? I think I would just pour myself into homeschooling a little more. I honestly don't see myself working outside the home as long as I have kids in the home. So I'd probably just really pour into homeschooling, volunteer with our group a little more. We're a part of a, a group with about 111 families that are all homeschooling as well. Whoa. So I would probably just just pour myself into that. So I think that's a good thing for people to hear. It's like soap, beard balm, beard oil, or nothing. That's how committed <laughs> you are. well i mean again like i i just i i appreciate you so much and i appreciate the business um i i think that it's great that i got to become a customer uh, well before we have a conversation like this because it's easy for someone to sit on the other side and just sell themselves on how great they are and and i get the feeling that you're not that way anyway but um but i have appreciated so much just the the product the service the interaction. I mean, I, uh, I've tried to do the best I can to evangelize the product in the past, but I think after today and, and hearing some uh, other potential uses out there, um, I, I'm going to do a better job of that. I'm also, uh, so people, if you're listening now, uh, just know that, uh, I am going to uh, buy some additional product and we're going to do some giveaways, um, uh, surrounding this episode. So probably either leading right up to it, uh, so you'll see that on social media uh, uh, after or before you've heard this, uh, and then we'll do some things afterwards uh, because I just believe uh, that we should be supporting businesses that that hold so deeply to values. And then when the product works as good as it is, uh, there's just no reason around it. So thank you, Amanda, so much for your product, for your business, for your time today. I just I, I do. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you so much. It's been awesome having you as a customer and getting to do this podcast. And just uh, for everyone who's listening to know, our website is valleyvintagesoap.com. And you can also look up Valley Vintage Soap on Instagram and Facebook and follow us on there. 
Yes, and I will make sure to include uh, those three things as well as some contact information for Amanda in the show notes in the event that anybody wants to reach out to her directly. I'm sure she will welcome that from you. So yeah, again, just thanks, Amanda. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Excellence Mindset Podcast. If you loved what you heard today, I encourage you, as I have throughout the entire episode, to reach out to Amanda directly to follow Valley Vintage Soap to try their products. Uh, If you like the episode and you want to continue to hear more, you can subscribe. Please feel free to write a review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. Until next time, get out there, do the best that you can, and get after it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Excellence Mindset with Ryan James Miller. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit ryanjamesmiller.com. We'll catch you next time.